you, Lord, to go, that we might receive the Holy Spirit who's always with us, who takes up residency with us. And uh, may my words uh, be the words of the Lord, the Scriptures, and uh, the influence of thought, expression. Save here those that do not yet know Christ as Lord. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we come to think biblically and honor you and walk with you and be a blessing to everyone that we should meet. Oh, God, we pray. Thank you so much for meeting with us. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, take, uh, take your Bible. Look at uh, Exodus 20. Uh, you should know that anyway, as Exodus 20 is uh, the uh, chapter of the Word where uh, uh, we have the giving of the Ten Commandments. No, I'm sorry, it's not Charlton Heston. Some of you do remember that so very well. He's a handsome guy uh, years ago, I guess, and uh, in the movie. Uh, but uh, it is uh, Exodus 20, the actual giving from Sinai. The Lord gave to Moses uh, the Ten Commandments, the two tablets, and, uh, and that's our text. I've entitled the message today, The Fifth, The Fifth. The fifth, the fifth. How about that? Most of us as Americans know what it means to take the fifth. And uh, don't, don't we love the uh, Bill of Rights and the cherished Fifth Amendment, the, that amendment, that one guaranteeing our right that we don't have to under oath to incriminate ourselves. James Madison wisely and petitioned uh, a group of believers down in Virginia when the Constitution was being passed that the ten Bill of Rights be added to it. And, uh, and it was adopted. He wrote these, and the fifth, we love that, that under oath in court, we don't, we can, we can remain silent and take our constitutional right. Now, most people today, right, when you watch that, you're like, he's guilty, she's guilty. They just don't want to speak. But <clears throat> there's far more going on, and that may often be true, but not always. It's not 100% true. I mean, some of you are thinking Lois Lerner, and you saw that, and you're like, ah, guilty, you know. But it's her right as an American, and we're innocent till proven guilty, and we know how that all works. It's a great thing, and I love being an American. I love our Constitution. It's, uh, I look for the Lord. This is not heaven, all right? This is not heaven, but it's the best place to live this side of heaven, and we didn't choose it. Have you noticed? You didn't choose the, at this point in time in history, and we live right here, God determines all of that. Read Acts 17, you'll see on that. However, as great as the fifth, uh, the fifth is, there's another fifth that is far more important. <laughs> it's the fifth commandment of God's holy law calling us to honor our father and our mother, even in this age of grace. Sometimes Christians have the attitude that we're in the age of grace, and so the law doesn't apply. i got news for you. God's law is eternal. God's law is good. God's law could never give life, it only condemns, but it gives us a, a protracted picture of, of what God desires of men and women. Now, here's the thing, but since the law always condemns, you think of Galatians, it shows us where we fall short and it leads us to Christ. I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't keep the law, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, and, and who shall rescue me, Right? takes us to Christ. And so we're at the foot of the cross, God saves us, and wow, something wonderful happens. Now we're new creations in Christ, right? And now we have new hearts, new desire, and the keeping of the law is, 
God gives us the strength now not to be saved to keep the law because we couldn't do that. But now that we are new creatures in Christ, the, the keeping of the law is a joy and a delight. I did find thy words beneath them, and they were joyful, Jeremiah said. The delight of the law of the Lord, and we delight that. And so we go like, nah, the law, even the commandments, are still effective today. We're going to do a study in the weeks and months to come and revisit the ten, and you'll be amazed at how all-encompassing they are to our life, even in this wonderful age of grace. Don't we love that? It's still operative, and it's the basis of not only, note this now, it's not only this fifth uh, commandment, not only a family life, but it touches every single human relationship and beyond. You'd be amazed at that. You thought, I thought it was just honor your father and your mother. But in case I forget to say it, um, it this is a this commandment has a promise, too, the promise that, it, that you may live long on the earth. Sometimes I'll say that to folks that are in their 90s. And I'll go like, well, you must have really, you must have been really good to your parents. And, and I'll go like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> I said, it's the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother and, and they, you know, long life with prosperity. I mean, what would long life be without prosperity? That would be, oh, be horrible, wouldn't it? Like, when is this over? but long life with prosperity, right? All right, here's the point of that, okay? The first four commandments focus on God, and we're to honor Him, and He promises to bless our life. The, this, this, the fifth commandment, and I don't, I don't want you to leave here without me saying it, is, is, is given a statement of promise, unlike the other ones dealing horizontally with our human relationship, because God is saying, if you honor me, I'll bless you, the first four, and if you honor my human representatives in all areas of life, it'll go, it'll go well with you. Now, oh. And we'll understand that a little bit here. Even in a fallen, broken world, it's a Humpty Dumpty world. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together. That's our fallen world. And sometimes it's true, the good die young, right? But as a general principle of Scripture, it's Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman. Okay? So we'll look at that. I want to make sure I say so. So anyway, so today's Father's Day. Today's Father's Day. And uh, it's a great day. Faith gave me a big kiss this morning in a card. I'm going to open the card later. And, uh, and so and she's actually making, she always does, but she's making a great meal. She makes a uh, strawberry salad and nuts in it and all that. And I just, I eat unashamedly. Eat like the tra- I just love that so much. I, and, and, and some hamburgers today. I, I love some hamburgers. At Father's Day, I love that. And, and, and so we're going to, today's Father's Day, so we're going to revisit this hallowed commandment to help us better reflect Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? I mean, uh, if it involves more than just honoring father, mother, father, and actually this commandment touches all human, then uh, and I don't want to be a disgrace to Jesus. I want to be salt and light in a world where God has placed me. That's what we want. So three simple questions helping us to honor our dads and all others that Jesus be glorified in us. I remind you that Jesus wonderfully displayed this for us as he honored his heavenly Father always, didn't he? You ever think of a case where the Lord did not honor his heavenly Father? I, I don't think so. And he honored his parents, didn't he? His mother Mary, his stepfather Joseph.
Testing, one, two, there you go. I'll put it in my pocket, Bill, that's safer. Anyway, I forgot what I was saying, but oh, Jesus, that's right. He, and, he, and he always, and even when his, the, the, his mom and his stepdad, Joseph, left that time in the temple when he was 12, and the three days they finally realized, where's Jesus? Remember, we talked about that when we went through it. Somebody lost Jesus. Remember that? Like, <laughs> and we talked about losing our kids occasionally. But uh, it was caravanning. They caravan and it was like a family reunion going back and forth up to Nazareth. And so on. then they found him. What are you doing? He's very respectful. Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? There he is in the, in the temple uh, learn, listening to the, uh, the great teachers of that day. Well, the Lord's our example in that. He's the creator of all things. Here he models it for us. And, uh, and, and, and even, and even this, this is really tender, is, uh, here he is hanging on the cross in John 19. I mean, could there be a weaker moment, humanly speaking? And he attends to the needs of his mother. Wow. Speaks to me. My mom's in her 80s. And we almost lost her last year, you know. I'm thankful we have brothers and sisters that live around Buffalo area there where she is. But she has needs. And she's feeble, more feeble. And here's the Lord taking care of his mother, as signing John, take her home with you. Mary, you go with John. And, and church tradition tells us all the days of her life she lived with John until she passed. Isn't that amazing? He's caring for his mother. What an example for us. Well, three questions. What does it mean to give honor? Second question, who are my father and mother? <laughs> Third question, what does the promise long life mean? Looking at the passages that Larry read, Exodus 20, and then, uh, of course, Ephesians uh, 6, 1 to 4. Well, what's it mean to give honor? Well, honor, honor is the action verb of this whole command. Honor your father and your mother. It's the action that God desires you to perform and me to perform. Now, I, I brought in, some of you are not familiar with the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Catechism. How many of you are familiar with, with this? Oh, all right, good, about half of you. This, this, this uh, written in 1643 by a number of the Scottish Presbyterian pastors that met and worked on the statement, what is it that we believe the Scriptures teach? I, I don't embrace all of it, but, uh, but most of it, uh, almost all of it. And then they wrote a shorter and a longer teaching guide for moms and dads to teach the children, and they would recite them back and forth. They would raise a question. Sometimes you'll hear, what is the chief end of man? Chief end of man, the answer is to glorify God and to, by enjoying him all the days of your life. You, you've heard of that, question number one. Well, these are the questions, and I just thought I'd introduce this to you. This is a valuable text in many, many areas and, and helping to fill out what does this, this commandment mean. It's not the Scriptures. It's not on par with the Scripture. I'm not saying that, but here's some. We're, we're to learn from teachers and these uh, uh, godly men who wrote this. It's an incredible, incredible statement. And so uh, uh, we find here that honor is the action verb, and note the questions, question number 126, 127, 28, in the catechism, and see that several concepts describe what honor is. So let me, let me read that. Question number uh, 20, 26. Question, what is the general scope of the fifth commandment? Answer, 
Now think of this in a family setting. A father would raise that question, and then that the children around the table would learn to memorize this and answer. Answer, the general scope of the fifth commandment is the performance of those duties which we mutually owe in our several relationships as inferiors, superiors, and equals. Well, why are superiors a, a mother and father? That's question number 125. Superiors are still father and mother, both to teach them in all their duties to their inferiors, like natural parents, to express love and tenderness to them according to their several relations, and to work inferiors to a greater willingness and cheerfulness in performing their duties to their superiors as to their parents. Uh, let me back up and say something, because it's written in 16th century English here a little bit. The, uh, the, the idea of in, uh, inferiors and superiors, uh, Americans hate that. Everything is egalitarian, everything's equal. We're all equal, we're all the same. Well, listen, yeah, we are under the law, I guess. We all as equally as born in sin, and we're all gonna die. You know, okay, so we are equal that way. But having said that, we have superiors, equals, and inferiors in all kinds of realms of life, right? In the family, my father was the boss, and there was no question about that. I was inferior. So that's what that means, don't be offended by that when they write of that, even in our, our politically correct mumbo-jumbo garbage, okay, there are, in a work environment, you know, you may be equal with your boss in every way, but guess what? He or she is your superior. They sign your check, right? So whether we recognize it or not, as Americans, sort of brainwashed in this, everyone's the same and equal, that's baloney. It's not that way in a family, you know? I used to say in our family, the kids would want, you know, we talk about what, uh, what we're going to do. Dad, can we vote? Can we vote? Can we vote? Now, three kids voting. I said, yeah, we can vote, but not all votes are equally weighted. My vote has the most weight. And they go, ah, that's un-American. I don't care. That's not the way it is. Okay? So don't be offended by that. And we're going to, as we try to understand this fifth commandment, honor our father and mother, we recognize that uh, for a number of years, in our junior years, while we're growing up, they're the boss. Dad's the boss, mom's the boss, I'm not the boss. In employment, in the church. We're like, oh, we're Americans, can't we all vote, this and that? We'll do no. God has given leadership in the church. We don't often hear about that. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that are over you in the Lord. Why? So that it's not grievous to them. They have to give an account of your soul. Obey them. You're like, have to obey the pastor? Yes, for the Lord's sake. Because one who's genuine pastor and the elders, are, they're looking for your soul for the long term, what's good. And they go like, I see something in your life that's dangerous. You need to say like, oh, really? Maybe it's a blinder. I didn't see it. And, uh, and to listen to them. So they have church governance. We have family. We have employment. How about in the state, right? I don't like that law. I don't like to, I'm not going to pay my taxes. Well, read Romans 13. There are authorities in the state. Government means force. They'll come visit you. You probably don't want to be pen pals with the IRS. You know, sort of like, <gasps> you get that sick feeling in your stomach, like, hey, they're sending me mail. You probably don't want that. They're forced and power, and so we obey the governing authorities because they're God's servants for our protection. There was a period of time, if we understand Bible history right, before the flood where there was no human government. And we saw where that ended, right? Saw where that ended. It was a total and utter disaster. 
Every man did evil and what was right in his own eyes, and God destroyed the world. Okay, so what's it mean to give honor? Uh, there are three concepts here first, on your sheet. First, it involves reverence. Honor means to reverence, to revere, to respect. The Hebrew word is kavod. Kavod. <laughs> you love this. The word means heavy or weighted. Now, if you grew up in the 60s, that was an expression in that day. Some of you don't. You have no idea what I'm talking about. we are like, well, that's heavy. That's heavy. You know, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. That's heavy. That was weighty. Oh, that's really important. That's, wow, that's something, right? And the opposite is a lightweight. And in the Hebrew mindset, if you were a lightweight, you were not honorable. You were like the husk of the grain that the wind would blow it away. You would not endure. It wasn't worth it. It was a fool as a fool's life is described as being weightless, the opposite of heavy. And so we are to give uh, consideration and reverence and respect to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, those that we owe honor to. So first of all, honor is a hard attitude, right? Expressing reverence or respect. It's a hard attitude. It's like the little boy, we all know it. It's more than simply the outside. The little boy, stand up, stand up, stand up. Finally stands up. And the boy says, and then finally, I mean, it's almost as incorrigible child. Was, I'm sure it was none of you standing there and finally grits out, I'm standing on the outside, but I'm sitting on the inside. And that's, you know, we all know folks like that. Maybe that was you. But uh, uh, that's a wrong heart attitude, isn't it? They might be conforming to the outside, but uh, not uh, from the heart. Honor and fear and honor are two words that often used in Scripture to describe how, how we are to relate to God. We're to honor Him. And, and we're to honor Him higher than all others. Uh, and so there, there are levels of honor. And while we honor God, we honor Him by honoring others. I mean, I've, I've, through the years, I've counseled uh, dear, dear ladies that find themselves in marriages where their husbands are not saved. And go like, well, what, how, do I, how do I handle that? And a lot of times that happens. We're missionary dating, and I thought I could win them to Christ, and it wasn't, and they got married, and he's still an unbeliever. Sometimes it is that they're both unsaved, and God finds her first and saves her, and now she's in this awkward situation. I grew up in a home like that. My father didn't come to know Christ just before he died. My mother had a sword in her heart that she married dad as an unbeliever, and I saw the estrangement there. As close as it was, it was never what it could have been, what Fethi and I enjoy as best I can tell, and so on and so forth. So how do I handle that? Well, you, you, uh, you, you commit yourself to the Lord, First Peter 3. You trust the Lord to work through him, even though he's an unbeliever, and as he beholds your godly life and chaste life, it will shout to him the gospel and bring him to Christ. That, that, that First Peter 3 is so encouraging, uh, verses 1 to 7 there, uh, and so on. By honoring the Lord first, she could honor her unbelieving husband and, and commit his future to the Lord. Well, it involves reverence, doesn't it? it? What else does it? It involves submission. Submission is a far broader term than obedience. You know, all parents teach their children, children, obey your parents and the Lord. Ephesians, right? Yeah, I mean, they can, my kids knew that next to John 3.16. Children, obey. I can hear Faith saying it. <laughs> children, <laughs> children, obey your parents. And I would say, hey, that's God's will for you. That's God's will. God's will. Your protection. It's your protection. There's authority here. And protection. 
in submission. And when we respect someone, we desire to hear them and be willing to change our ways, do we not? We expect to learn from him or her, especially if they're older and more mature. We, we want to hear that. Listen, you, you're, you, a wise man or woman gets counsel. Now, not, not from a thousand people, don't do that, but just a couple people that you trust. And you bring them, and you listen, and you lay it out before them, and you ask them to pray about it and give some feedback. And willing to not just do the process, but to say, Lord, uh, how are you directing? Is this wisdom here for me? Uh, and, and, and submit to that. Now, if you, you come to one, a parent or someone else who you honor and respect and ask their counsel, and yet if you disagree with them, then uh, if you're going to submit and, and be reverent, then you submit uh, with graciousness or you disagree with, with graciousness, with respectful words. We live in a culture that loves the youth to our demise. Youth and youth and youth. And I, I want to tell you, it's, it's, not, it's not too much in history where this has been the case. Yeah, age and, uh, and honor and venerability of those who are, it, it is the rule of a wise culture. And let a child lead them is the most stupidest thing I ever heard of. Let a child lead them? Are you kidding me? And so we get counsel if it's from parents or dad or older, those that we respect. And uh, even at the end of the day, if we disagree with them, we thank them, we appreciate them, we honor them with our words, and we don't say, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard, and, and speak offensively to someone who is our superior in age or wisdom, in family structure. Uh, we respectfully, almost brokenly, uh, 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 acknowledge that we, we disagree. But third, of course, it's not blind submission. We know that. That never conflicts with Scripture as uh, we submit, right? God will never ask us through authorities to do something that's contrary to His word, word. We know that. We know the Scriptures. We, we know Daniel. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know Acts uh, 4, right? They, uh, they, they took the apostles and and locked them up for preaching Jesus. Then they brought them out and admonished them, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And, and what they say, you, you decide for, is it right to obey God rather than men? So that's clear. But those times are really few and far between. I thank, thank the Lord for that in our culture. Now, few and far between. May come increasing as the days uh, wax worse. If God doesn't send great revival, uh, it, it may. But uh, it never conflicts with, with, with Scripture. And so... Uh, for we see that this submission, this obligation of obedience, exists in other relationships as well that are analogous to the parent-child relationship. I already said civil authorities, Romans 13, church officers, Hebrews 13, wives to husbands, 1 Peter 3, at work, your environment, your master slave, but your work environment, Colossians 3. And so submission is a part of honoring from the heart out as we revere and third and last C, it also involves financial support. You don't often hear about this, but the word honor involves money. Money, something most Americans are very involved with, right? We don't, we don't worship it, but we spell success with dollar signs, right? Well, the Hebrew word kavad, that word heavy that we talked about earlier, this is a little different form of it, and the Greek word tameo. Tameo is uh, the base of the word timothy. 
Timotheus, class of Timothy, it means to prize or to, to, to honor. Both have, both of these words, kavod and tamel, both have the distinct sense of rendering a financial value. And it speaks specifically of our wealth. It's the word that's used in 1 Timothy 5.17. Remember that section where we're supposed to uh, honor our, the elders in the church? And uh, we're to honor those especially and count them worthy of double tameo, double honor, those that labor in teaching and in preaching. That's the same word. It, it means to be generous as we support them in their, in their pay for their work. I want to say thank the Lord for our elders. They're, they're, they're so kind to me and, and the way they support us and care for us and really honor the Lord and encourage me with that, and they always have. And uh, I just thank God for each one of them and, and your support, guys. And uh, I, I'm unworthy, really. But that's the word. But that's just not just for pastors and teachers. It's for all of us as we honor fathers and honor mothers and, and, and then other forms of authority. Uh, that we, uh, it involves our money, our money, and our money. And money is a small thing, but it really shows the big things in life, doesn't it? It really does. My dad would say that as he ran his business financial services for years and years. He would say, I know people better than I know themselves. Here he is, unregenerate man. I know people better than I know themselves. I go like, well, how's that, dad? I know where they spend all their money. I know what's important to them and what isn't. And I'm here, you know, like 13 years old listening and going, I wonder what all that means. I've lived long enough to know exactly what that means, that our checkbook, more than our hymn book, shows the really the priorities in our life. And, and, and that's the way it is. And so it means there comes a point where we give and we honor, and particularly mom. That's what I'm thinking about with my own mother and her needs. And, and so now that she wiped my bottom and diapered me for the first half, and at the end of it, God says, that's the way it goes. And parents are to teach that to their children. That's a, a way that honors God. Well, what's it mean to give honor? There you go. Second question, who are my father and mother? And the catechism again, uh, who is it? And I read that in the, in, the, uh, in the question, who is meant by father and mother? The answer is not only mom and dad, certainly, but all of those by extension who are authorities, and even equals, and even those who are inferior. Like, don't, I hate the word inferior. I feel it. No, there are those that are under us. If you have a job and you hire people, that, that's all that that means. If you're the pastor of church or an elder, you have folks under you that. In the government, it's the same thing. You, you know, you're the, the leading servant leader. There are those that you serve. You see how that goes? In marriage, it's that way. Yeah, so that we understand what that means. And so it answers it. Notice the answer. It answers my, uh, by father and mother are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gift and position, especially such as by God's ordinance, are over us in a place of authority, whether in family, church, commonwealth. That's a question 124. Note the following. The family, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but the family is the fundamental sphere from which all others are derived. All right? What was the first institution God created? Yeah, marriage, family. You got family, right? Now, in Adam, now think about this. Stretch it a little bit. In Adam, in Adam, all the, all the duties of authority and structure were right there in him. They were. He was the head. Beautiful Eve was his wife. All of them. 
He was the lawgiver. He didn't have Congress. Skipped Harrisburg. He could say, here's the law, right? You think he was the enforcer? You bet he was. There's no sher new sheriff in town. <laughs> he was the enforcer. Uh, and then also he was, here come the judge. He was the judge. He, he weighed whether, you know, uh, Cain and Abel, and then later Seth and others, they broke the law, and well, here's the pay. It was all there. He was the teacher, right? He taught them not only things of life, imagine their abilities in an early pre-fallen day, far superior to ours, right? And a lot of times it's name, rank, and maybe social security number. Just think what his brain could do and, and his kids. And a spiritual teacher, he taught them theology, right? There's no, hey, let's go down to the local church. It was all in him. And also then it went on, and then it all became in Noah again when the human race was reduced down to eight, remember? Same thing again. And then as time went on, go back to Adam, and now you have all the living long ages of time, cousins and cousins and, you know. Now there's going to be division of labor. Going to need some help here. <laughs> Although the patriarchs still were the big maha. We read that. Very different than our day. Well, it comes the day where Jethro says to Moses, you know, like, you can't do this all. You've got to have some help. Seventy people to help you. So the division of labor and then all these other things, teachers, came into being. I don't know if you ever thought about that. They're all an extension of the home. I remember one time I came home, I got in trouble at school, and my father was very upset. So you get in trouble in school, you get that, you're coming home, you're going to get it from me. It was a double whammo. And the teacher made sure my father knew that I did something. And, uh, and, so, and, and a part of that uh, redress to me was, and after all, uh, when you see them I want you to see me because they work for me. I said, they don't work for you. That was worth a good hit there, right? Yes, they do. I don't have time to teach you math. I'm paying taxes. I'm here. They're helping me so you can learn to count to 10. <laughs> Got it? Uh, I'm sort of getting the picture. It's funny. When you feel the heat, you see the light. You ever notice how that works? <laughs> They're working for my dad. You know? <laughs> The police officer, you know, Officer Belvis. Why do I know the juvenile detective by name? You know, he'd be in the driveway with 38. He'd be looking, I'd be looking up at him. And I, at dinner time, again, he works for me. You know, my father knew more theology there. <laughs> Here I am at this phase. He was right. He was right. That's exactly right. Adam played all the roles. That's the blank. All the roles that were later divided among all the spheres of authority in the division of labor. Even today, parents perform in the home all the functions of society with young children. Parents are their authoritative source for teaching, discipline, employment, religious teachings, and, and on and on it goes. Logically, rule in all spheres is similar to that of the home or extensions of it. All forms of authority then deserve honor, similar to the honor of parents. They're really extensions. And beyond that, three and last, all people deserve honor as equals and inferiors because we're made in God's image, different gifts and abilities. And they bear the image of God even in utero, the womb. They deserve the honor and the respect as a creature, as a human made in God's image. And we owe that to them. Well, 
that's in the answer of who are my father and mother. Finally, the third question, what does it mean, this promise of long life that we see in Ephesians 20 and then in Deuteronomy and then the first commandment, Paul refers to it there in Ephesians 6 too. It's the first commandment with promise. Now, this promise is not isolated thought in Scripture, but it's a good general principle of biblical law that uh, obedience to God brings blessing to long, of long life and prosperity. Obedience to God. Obedience to the wonderful revealed Word of God. Uh, as a principle provides long life. Uh, it, it, it really is simply this, that if you just do it God's way, life is, life is hard enough in a fallen world. Have you noticed? It's disappointing. It's heartbreaking. It's weeping. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's the Humpty Dumpty world. It's the Psalm 73 world. You know, it's upside down. You know, uh, it seems like evil. Uh, you know, all these kinds of questions and mystery, and God doesn't tell us. We've been, the men we've been studying, Ecclesiastes, has been a great, great, life is filled with mystery and wonder, right? And the race is not always to the swift. If you're, if you're a betting man, you're going to put your money on the number one guy, right? Or the battle to the strong. It's not always to the strong, the mighty mo. Strongest man in the, all the Bible, save for Samson, was Goliath, nine feet six. What an NBA prospect, right? This mighty guy, he's got this unbelievable fighting machine brought down by David the shepherd boy with a, the battle's not always to the strong. It's not, the, it, it, it's, not it's, it's an upside down world. There's no guarantees. And yet, God says, if you do it my way, you will have less trouble. You know, less trouble. What's that mean? You know, uh, you, you steal your neighbor's wallet. Guess what? He may figure it out and come by and shoot you right in the head. Really, yeah. Abuse your body with drugs, you know, and do these kind of things. Or illicit sex, end up with disease, and maybe AIDS, and, and uh, steal a guy's wife, or, you know, slander somebody. They may come and punch the daylights out of you. You know, like, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> it's not rocket science. You know, do things God's way and you'll have God's blessing. It's no guarantee you're going to live to be like Methuselah. God may take you home next week. Jesus may come today. But you're, it, it, you'll have the blessed life. He says that in Psalm 1. As for me, my old professor, and I quote all the time, he ended up at my college graduation, Dr. Rembert Carter, saying to us, listen, grads, this is what I'll tell you. Yeah, here, here's God's blessing. It's a spirit. It's like a circus light, you know, the light. He said, whatever you do in your life, stay in the sphere of God's blessing. I mean, we, we're, we're sinful people. We can just wander out, prone to wander. Lord, I feel. Stay in that blessing of that sphere, and your life will be happier, blessed, and Jesus will, will be with you in, in ways and joy and pleasure. And uh, that's my words to you. So that's what he's talking about is obedience brings blessing. So this is nothing more than, than Psalm 1. See, yet it's not always apparent, is it, in our fallen world? The Bible tells us the way of the sinner is hard. You should teach that to my children. The way of the sinner is hard. Obey the Lord in what you know. Trust Him in what you don't. I mean, when all of a sudden the lights go out, you're walking like, oh, I didn't see that coming. We trust Him. We obey Him in what we know. We trust Him in what we don't. 
And I, I think we don't know a whole lot, right? Don't know. And D and finally, God wants us to know that covenant blessings come by honoring all others, especially parents. Parents. And with our parents, if your parents are still alive, somebody said love, L-O-V-E, is best spelled T-I-M-E, time. Time. Love for our dear ones, our parents, our fathers, our mothers, aged, T-I-M-E, time. The Heidelberg Confession says, what is... What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I, that I shall all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and my mother and to all in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to all their good instruction and correction and also bear patiently with their infirmities since it is God's will to be governed, to govern us by their hand. Wow. Let's, well, so what does this mean? So what? Look at it quickly when we're done. What does it mean? How does it touch your life? Well, here's just a few ideas. Could be many, many. Uh, number one, without exception, we owe our parents, our fathers, honor. We need to honor them. And look at the qualities there. Even if your dad was not worthy, and many aren't, we're all sinful. Only our Heavenly Father is perfect. Your honor you honor the Lord by finding grace in your heart to honor Him. Honor the Lord. You honor the Lord by finding... It's like... I know a lot of folks will say, I, I think God made a mistake. I, I was in the wrong family. You know? <laughs> no, you are not in the wrong family. Look at you. Well, I didn't know my mother. I didn't know my father. My father abused me, this and that. You know, like... in the thing that we have a perfect heavenly father... Find something. You can find something. You can find something. You can. Number two, honoring your parents means that as an adult you'll share your wealth and support as they might need it. This is God's plan. Don't call it Corbin, right? That's what Jesus uh, exposed the religious Pharisees of that day. Like, oh, I have all this money, but I think I'm giving this to God, so I can't support my mother. Jesus goes like, what is that? That is evil. That is evil. And, you know, if you call it Corbin, you didn't even have to follow through on it. You could just call it that, and, oh, mom died, and you end up keeping it, you know? And Jesus goes, ah, uh, no way. So take that to heart. Teach others that, and let's be careful about it. Number three, by extension, by extension, you and I are to respect all authorities we find in our life, every one of them. God is not pleased when rebellion is the mark of our life. Look at such authorities as God's umbrella of protection. In the home and family, that's what, for sure. Think of it, the umbrella of protection. Husband, protect wives. I, I'm very serious about that, and, you know, uh, with Faithy, you know. She's my better in so many ways, and I admire her for that. She's an equal in so many as a joint heir of life. But God calls me to be the leader, servant leader, to protect her. And then when God gave us children, doesn't always give children, but protect my children. I, I, you know, I stepped up to that. I, I valued that. And uh, in the church, it's the same way. We, we look after the sheep of God to protect, and we're all capable of doing the most stupidest things. And ration, have you ever noticed your ability to rationalize? It's like ten, 2 and 2 is 25. I said, this is not modern math. Yeah, it scares me, really, this. And we need each other. A community that Jonathan talked about last week. 
So important. And in, in our country, the same. Number four, don't be overwhelmed when you can't figure life out. It's, it's a mystery. I know some of you that hate reading mysteries. I hate mysteries. I want to read nonfiction. I love to read history. I like this. I don't like mysteries. Listen, life is hugely a mystery in this fallen world. Obey the Word, what I said earlier. Obey the Word and what is revealed in the precious, wonderful Word of God and trust Him in the things you can't understand. Well, and that's most of it, right? And, and you know, some, a guy told me once, he said, I'm not going to do it until God explains it to me. And I said, listen, i got news for you. God could explain it to you, but you'd never understand what He's doing. He works on so many multi-levels. And number five and last, this call to salvation Perhaps you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. You need to do that. Jesus is calling. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. Simple prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I receive you. You can become a son of the Lord Jesus Christ, a son of God, a child of God. (laughs) Praise God. Praise the Lord. How about it? Would you take the fifth? I take the fifth. I hope you do. I hope you take it to heart. And have a wonderful Father's Day. We honor you, Dad. I pray for you if we do, and we thank you. Let's stand and be dismissed, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day, and thank you that you're the all-perfect Father. Oh, wonderful, sovereign, glorious, great, almighty, all-powerful God of, of uh, the eternal counsel and program of the ages, the sending of a Redeemer. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your wisdom of families on earth, and and Lord, thank you so much for our men, those men that are fathers, our fathers who are in heaven, Lord, dads that have gone before. We thank you for them. We honor them. Help us, Lord, to be those that express honor and, uh, and be those that are respectful of those that are by extension of our families by your design. May we honor them and bear the light of the cross of the gospel to all that we should meet. Give us a great week as we leave here, encouraged in the faith to serve you, to be a blessing to someone else this week. Help us to take our eyes off ourselves and to serve others, serve you by reaching them. And pray that you bring us back rejoicing next week. Looking forward to our gathering together. We pray all these things in Jesus' most wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.